Welcome to the Natural Super Kids podcast, where you will discover practical strategies to inspire you to boost the health and nutrition of your kids. I'm Jessica Donovan, a qualified naturopath specializing in kids' health, and I want to make it as easy as possible for you to raise healthy and happy kids. Let's get into it. Hey, hey, how are you going today? Welcome back to the podcast. Today I'm talking to Tammy Louise, who's a building biologist over at Building Biology Mama. Um, And if you haven't heard of a building biologist before, it's someone who identifies and addresses health hazards within indoor environments such as homes. Really interesting area um, and I'm excited to be talking to her and bringing you this information. Now, this is a huge topic. I may say this is a huge topic a million times <laughs> through this podcast. Uh, we really are just bringing awareness to some of these things and scraping the surface, wetting your appetite um, for you to want to know more about this huge subject. So please do not feel overwhelmed um, when you listen to this. Uh, use it as, a, as an introduction to this subject and definitely look at seeking um, some more information on this area if it's something that you are interested in, which I think as mums, we should all be interested in this topic. So Tammy shares lots of information with us today, including why we should be aware of health hazards within our within our homes, particularly when it comes to our children. Um, some of the most common health hazards she sees in homes as a building biologist. And we, we dive into EMFs, electromagnetic fields, and what they are, what the health implications of them are and how we can reduce our exposure to EMFs, the most important bit, I think. So I really hope you enjoy this chat I have with Tammy. Welcome to the podcast, Tammy. It's great to have you here. Can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and what you do? Hi, Jessica. Thank you for having me on the podcast today. Yes, I am a building biologist and I teach mums how to identify and minimise environmental factors. And this includes chemicals um, and EMS um, and a whole range of other environmental factors that may negatively impact their child's health, their behaviour and their learning. And as much as I'm a building biologist who, you know, goes into somebody's home after some, you know, a family's been experiencing ongoing health issues, um, and you know, seek to find mold if there's a mold problem, or if there's you know the cell tower across the road is causing an issue. A big part of my job that I really love is that I love working with mums and to empower them. We make so many decisions as mums, and I really love being able to work with them. So and giving them the knowledge and therefore the confidence to be able to maximise their child their children's health. Oh, yes, I love that because this is such a big topic when we're talking about, you know, our environment and our home and the impact that certain things can have on our health. So it can be really overwhelming. Um, and I think, you know, that is a really good good point to start off with the podcast is that, 
you know, you will learn. We'll be we'll be talking about a whole heap of different things today, and um, you may start to feel a little bit overwhelmed. But uh, I think both Tammy and I are really passionate about just making, uh, you know, making a commitment to make one change and uh, doing that until it becomes a habit, and then moving on to the next thing because those small steps can really make a difference long term. Um, so yeah, I think we're we're very much on the same page in that respect. So, as I said, I know this is a is a really big topic, but can you explain why we should be concerned about health hazards in our homes um, and the impact that they might have on our children's health? Yeah, so I think there are multiple reasons why we should be concerned or be aware of health hazards in our homes. And firstly, because I think health hazards in our home can affect our unborn children. And that's that's massive. That's like before we're even thinking about having children, health hazards that are in our home have the potential to impact our unborn child. And the reason why is because as a mother, we take on chemicals, we t- take on a toxic load. And sometimes, depending on the chemical, depending on the toxin, we have that ability to um, offload that onto our unborn child or even for a breastfeeding mum onto offload. So that's one reason why I think we need to be aware of health hazards in our homes and try to minimise them. Another reason is that children are not little adults. Health hazards do not affect children the same way as they affect adults. For for example, fetuses, um, infants and children, their susceptibility to harm from environmental toxins, from whether it's ingesting a pesticide, it will it will it will be different, and it comes down to the simple fact because they are growing and they are developing their composition, their metabolism, um, their ability to excrete toxins, their physiologically, their biochemical processes. They're all different, so therefore their ability to to get rid of these toxins or these health, these hazards once they're exposed to them, is different to to an adult. Um, Another reason why I think we should be aware of um, hazards in our home is because children in particular have different exposure pathways. They, there's, for instance, they tend to spend more time on the floor, and being on the floor is a very different environment. Their breathing zone is much lower than ours, so they're exposed to different health. uh, different toxicants than what us as adults are. So down on the ground, you're often, you know, that's where the uh, dust usually sits. And particularly if you've got carpet cover, it's particularly problematic because it's just a sink for um, for everything that's going on in that environment. You can't ever, you know, get everything out of a carpet. And they're down on that level. So they're exposed to those toxins more so than what an adult will be. But they also have a higher hand-to-mouth ratio um, and they also pick up objects and put things in their mouths. So their, their, their exposure is different to ours, but it's also increased. It's, it's more so than ours. So that's why I think we should be aware of the health hazards in our homes and, and because they have that potential to impact our children's health more so, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, definitely. That makes a lot of sense. And thank you for sort of switching that concerned to aware, because I think that that's a much sort of, I don't know, healthier way to look at it. And you've brought up so many good points there um, that that children aren't just small adults. I'm saying this all the time when, when it comes to, you know, their nutritional needs. They're not just small adults. They've got a higher need for nutrients than we do as adults because of all that growth and development. Um, and as you said, you know, they're more susceptible to damage from toxins because they are growing and developing. And I think this is a time, you know, when we have children, it's a time when we start to be more aware of these things because our kids just are so, so vulnerable. Um, So yeah, so many good points there. So as I've said a few times, this is obviously a a huge topic with so much to cover. And we're just going to try and sort of, you know, scratch the surface today um, to bring more awareness to mums and give mums that are listening something to think about. But can you explain some of the most common health hazards or toxins that you see in family homes as a building biologist? Yeah, so the most common environmental toxins or health hazards that I see in the home is usually the first one's probably surrounding food and water. Pesticides um, is an issue in conventional farming and the food, water contaminants in, in our water supply um, is, an, is an issue. Um, chemicals that are being brought into the home is often can often be a problem. Unfortunately, labelling laws are not the most transparent or the easiest to read these days and sometimes even with the best of intentions. New products that are brought into the home, so in regards to the sofa or the mattress, you know, there's these things are often uh, sprayed with flame retardants or stain-resistant chemicals that aren't always necessarily needed to be there and there are better products there. It is often something that they're the sort of chemicals that we're often um, often seeing. The other thing that I'm also seeing in regards to, because I work with a lot with um, new families, is in regards to like the baby bottles, the um, the clothing, um, those sorts of things. So the environmental toxins associated with those products, but then also EMS is a is probably the single biggest thing would be the EMS, the environmental exposure to that. Yes. And we're going to dive into those in just a second. Um, just back to like the, I guess, the, the chemicals that we're bringing into our homes via cleaning products, personal care products, furniture, clothing, um, you know, things that we need for babies, like baby bottles that you mentioned. Do you have a couple of tips on ways that we can, you know, w- when we're choosing new products to be bringing into our homes, what what can we look for, or um, what would you what would you recommend uh, to to start to reduce the amount of chemicals that we're bringing into our homes? Yeah. So in regards to chemicals and personal care products, aside from being able to understand all the different chemicals out there and what they do and the impact that they can have, because you know that's just not realistic. Getting back to basics and looking at for things that have minimal ingredients in them and then searching up uh, what those ingredients are, getting au fait with those that are brand and then sticking to that brand. So therefore you don't have to think anymore. It's or getting in touch with a building biologist who can assist you with purchasing, right, I want to set up my makeup. Is there any brands that you recommend? Um that that you know that are the, the safer ones that I can get 
that I can get and then sticking within those brands and then you don't have to think about those things anymore so finding go-to brands I suppose is my is one of my tips and then you don't have to keep you know revisiting ideally you know a company doesn't change their ingredient list which is not always you know the case but you know if we can get you know our, our staples correct um, that will go a long, you know, a long way in helping us minimise. In regards to baby bottles and those sorts of things, you know, sticking to what our grandmas and our grandparents used to do. So sticking with things like glass that are inert and it doesn't react. It's trying to stay away from plastic. Um, they, they, they will make a, a big difference. Silicons, you know, he, you know, here nor there. In, in regards that it's inconclusive, you know, there are studies to show that it's it can leach at high temperatures, particularly in the presence of fatty. Um, fat, you know, fat, oh, of fat. Um, so, you know, I, I, I get, I'm cautious about recommending silicon, but, um, you know, when, when you need a substitute, sometimes like in the teat of a baby bottle, you know, I'd, I'd much prefer go down the line of a silicon teat than, than, than a plastic one. Yes, that's a really good tip. And I love that I, that, that, that advice of minimal ingredients, um, you know, looking things up. I know the chemi, I don't know if you rate the Chemical Maze app um, as good, but I find that really helpful for looking up, um, you know, different ingredients, whether they be uh, additives and, and preservatives in food or, um, you know, cosmetic and cleaning ingredients because, you know, like you said, there's hundreds or thousands of different chemicals and we can't know them all. So, yeah, having those go-to brands. And I think I saw on your website you've got a, a recommend page with um, with recommended sort of brands for different products as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I do. I do. There only, there's only a few things up there, but, I mean, it's a growing list all the time. But I love that you mentioned the chemical maze, but EWG also have, a great website but I just want to put a bit of a caveat on there because sometimes people go to those sources and they look at them and they're like oh this one you know says it's it's a one you know it's it's limited it's not you know there's it's it's fair it's not very toxic but sometimes you need to go down into the you know look further into it and say, because there's actually no data on it there's no research on this so it's not necessarily a safe a safe option or a safe ingredient or, you know, a safe something that you want to be included in your product. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. And so, um, you know, like for the chemical maze, I know they give a smiley face or a sad face or a neutral face. So sometimes, you know, that neutral face will mean, well, there's no there's no research to show that it's harmful, but we're not really sure. Yeah, and research is limiting. Research is, you know, in regards to, I look at, I just go back to, the, the the issue that we have in regards to drugs. I mean, if you look at the the drug DES was a form of estrogen that was given to mothers to prevent miscarriage. And yet, you know, the daughters that were born it had no effect on the mother. You know, there's no side effects, they would say. But, you know, if a mother took DES while she was pregnant, then the child that was born, whether it was a girl or a boy, has, you know, there was adverse health effects and, you know, it was subsequently pulled. And the adverse health effects were like, you know, huge, like, they were some of them were you know rare forms of a vaginal and cervical cancer so you know it's it's we've got to look at these things and say well you know long-term effects sometimes it, it's not studied that was a drug that's tested you know infinitely more than what these chemicals are being tested at so we just have to be very careful so that's why if I go if you go back to basics go back to minimal ingredients then you know you're, you're going to I think be in a better step than if you go yeah they've looked at that one and they've tested it and they've done but how have they tested it on 
a vulnerable populations on pregnant women and children and have they looked at the long term you often find that most cases they haven't Yes. And that's a really good point. So those minimal ingredients, ingredients that you um, recognize or can look up and sticking to those, those go-to brands. Um, because as you said, research only goes so far and there's all the complexities of, you know, maybe this particular chemical on its own isn't terribly problematic, but then when you mix it with this, this, and this, that is also prevalent in our environment, then it does become problematic. So research can't tell us everything. I love that you really, that you brought that up. Um, okay. So let's move on to EMFs. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what they are? Um, just for anyone listening that might think might be thinking, what what is what is this EMF? Um, and you know, I know it's very complex. So just a simple kind of explanation of what EMFs are and some ways that we can reduce our exposure to them. Yeah. So EMFs are just waves, right? So electromagnetic fields. EMF just stands for electromagnetic fields, and they they really are just waves, and they just um, vary in frequency and length. And so there are four major EMFs that building biologists look at and we try to minimise in the home. And that's because we know that they have adverse health effects. And those are AC electric fields, um, AC magnetic fields, uh, radio frequencies and dirty electricity. And when you think of EMS, because often we'll get called in and we'll get someone and they'll say, oh, I really am worried about, you know, you know, my, my smart meter and they'll start talking about electric fields and, and you've really got to look at electric fields as there's many different types of EMS and think of them as fruit. So, you know, the electric fields are apples, the magnetic fields are bananas, the the radio frequencies are watermelon and the dirty electricity is kiwi fruit. And as much as they are the same, you know, they're all fruit, they all have different properties and so they react and, you know, behave in different ways. And they also have different ways they can impact our health as well. So, um, I mean, beyond getting into, you know, the more detail, I suppose the most important thing I think is, as you mentioned, how we can reduce, you know, the, our exposure to them. So I, I think... Magnetic fields and electric fields generally emanate from appliances and, you know, the electrical wiring and, you know, the power, the power lines outside. And so there's, there's minimal that we can do to, to minimize our risk from that, except in saying that if they are, if your house is wired correctly and, you know, you're set back enough from a power line, they generally aren't a problem, if that makes sense. So there shouldn't be a field that you have to worry about. Often, you know, there's something going awry with the wiring or, you know, someone's very close to a substation or they're very close on a second-story building and, you know, they're right close to the power lines outside and then we'll see issues and, you know, we'll have to try to we'll work with the clients to um, lower the exposure. But um, outside of distance, there's, there's not it's, – it's very difficult. How yeah, aside, and then you've got radio frequencies, which is the the, the biggest thing that that most people we get called in for that because people are worried about it. You know, with the whole cell towers um, and smart meters as well. Um, those things, th- there's lots. I I know it's everywhere, um, and often people go, yeah, but I can see all the you know the the when I turn on my wife my my Wi-Fi on my computer, I can see all of them come up on my on my list, you know, I'm, I'm being bombarded with them. 
And it's yes, but no. It's it's one of those, yes, they are around you. And yes, it is everywhere. But are they, the impact it is having on you, it, it varies because it depends on how close you are to the source, depending on what the source is. It depends on, there's lots of variables. And there's also a lot that you can do to reduce your exposure, exposure to them. And a lot of it comes back to you being empowered and knowing how to use these things, um, which is great because it means we can do a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And so, you know, one of the things that a lot of people are worried about is is the Wi-Fi. And so what are some simple things that we can do? You know, most houses have got Wi-Fi, schools have got Wi-Fi. Um, are, there, are there some simple things we can do at home to reduce our exposure to these kinds of, of EMFs? Yeah, absolutely. So as a building biologist, we recognise that the, the place that you want to protect the most is the sleeping space so the biggest thing the biggest thing that um we recommend is that you try to minimize or you know switch off everything at night so if you do have wi-fi um so you have uh, around your house which is what most people do especially from working from home and having children on home learning on the computer and that sort of thing you know if they didn't have it they do have it now um, if you can't get it hardwired, my first recommendation is to get it hardwired. But also, and then when it is hardwired, make sure that the Wi-Fi component is switched off and not, you know, not not sending its signal because sometimes it can still be sending its signal. But if you can't do that, aside from that, make sure it's all turned off at night so that you can protect that sleep space because that is where we get to regenerate our bodies. That's where we get to repair our bodies. So we try to protect that as much as possible. And so that goes also to, you know, us adults or even teenagers, if they've got their phone and they're taking it into their bedroom at night, you know, don't you, you need to put it on airplane mode. Don't have it next to the bed. I know that some people have gotten rid of their house phone, their corded phone, and if they can't go back to a corded phone, don't get a cordless phone. They're just, it's exactly like having a mobile phone. Those depth phones are, you know, pretty much the same thing. Try to switch it off at night. And if you can't because you need to be in contact with someone, try to have that phone away from your sleep space as much as possible. So have it in another room at least, away from you, have the volume turned up loud so that if it does ring, that you can go attend to it. But it's not, you know, you, you, you're using distance there, um, to try to minimise your exposure because it, it does decrease with distance. Yeah, yeah, that's great. No, my kids uh, my kids think I'm crazy for <laughs> making them put their, their devices on airplane mode or, you know, I get them to put them in the um, – in the living area while they're sleeping out of their bedrooms. Um, and yeah, I've def we, we turn our Wi-Fi is it Wi-Fi router, a router off at the switch at nighttime, even though it's a bit of a pain because it takes a while to kind of start up again in the morning. Um, but we generally try and do that. And the other thing that I do, and I, I'd love to know if this is worthwhile is I have an ethernet kind of um, plug for my laptop because I spend a lot of time on my laptop. Um, so I'm plugging it in as opposed to using the Wi-Fi. Is that beneficial? Yeah, so as long as the Wi-Fi component is turned off. So that's the best thing. So that's hardwiring. So you using that Ethernet is exactly what hardwiring is. 
Yeah. And again, it's not really common practice these days, but you know, if you are spending a lot of time on your on your computer, then you know, getting that that sort of hardwiring connection or Ethernet connection um, to that computer that you're spending a lot of time on, I think is, you know, all these little things that we can do can make a big difference. And EMFs, like so we talked about a bit about what they are and how we can how how we can reduce our exposure to them. What are the dangers of EMFs on our health? Yeah, so the dangers of EMF depends on who you talk to. If you talk to um, our PANSA, which is the Australian governing body, um, or you you know look to America, then they'll just tell you that there you know there virtually is no there is no issue with it. However, if you look at the researchers who study this, who solely study this, and they will for decades they have been saying that you know in particular cancer is a massive issue in regards to um, radio frequencies but it's also been um, linked with magnetic high magnetic fields as well there was a study done i think Wehrheimer and Leeper if I've said that correctly, um, you know, first alleviated the problem with magnetic fields and cancer leukemia in children. Um, that was decades ago. Um, so, you know, the cancer is, you know, the biggest, the biggest, one of the biggest things that it, you know, can have an effect on. But it, there's also a range of symptoms that people can get. Like some people say that they're getting headaches, the tinnitus in the ears, um, dizziness, brain fog. It can affect people um differently and it's a bit like it's a bit like people with SIRS I know we had a chat just for your just for your group earlier um regards to SIRS it's a bit like that in the symptoms that there are some nondescript sort of um symptoms that could be attributed to this could be attributed to that and they're finding that the researchers are finding that these symptoms are attributed to radio frequencies um some of these symptoms are attributed to radio frequencies as well so and you're not necessarily you know electrically sensitive what you know what they've dubbed as electrically sensitive um individuals from being around this stuff so the symptoms, the symptoms do range in how they can affect our bodies. However, you know, you, you'll be hard pressed to get a governing body recognizing those as as symptoms, which can be problematic when you're going to the doctor and you're presenting with certain symptoms. Yeah, yeah, and and I think it can just be quite confusing and murky, can't it? Because we're we were talking about SIRS. We did a um, a video for the Natural Super Kids Club members specifically, all about SIRS and mold illness um, within our home. So if you're a club member, you will be able to find that in the membership site very soon. Um, but a lot of those symptoms that are related with, with mold illness or SIRS sound like they're similar to, you know, some of the the um, ill effects we can get from EMFs. And both of these conditions aren't really very well recognised by, you know, the, the um, Western medical kind of model. So, I think it, it makes it, um, I guess, a little bit confusing. But I think the the important thing is that is that we're aware of these things and we're starting to try and you know reduce our exposure to them. So that is really what today's podcast episode has been all about. I think we could have spent um, a, a podcast episode on all of these different elements that we've talked about. But can you tell us? Can you tell the audience, um, Tammy, how people can find out more if they're wanting to learn more about this? Um, and and the work that you do and the services that you provide and where they can find you? Yeah, great. So um, my colleagues and I have gotten together and we actually 
put on workshops and for people who want to find out more about this sort of stuff. And we do um, some seminars as well. So that you can find us over at healthierhomesandliving.com. But also if you're looking specifically for, you know, some help with you in your home specifically, you can find me at buildingbiologymama.com.au. Okay, beautiful. And I'll make sure that I pop those links in the show notes. Um, So head on over to the podcast section over at naturalsuperkids.com if you're listening to this podcast sort of elsewhere. Um, And I'll have those links uh, there for you so you can find out more about this very interesting topic. I just find it so fascinating. Um, So thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Head on over to our website, naturalsuperkids.com for the show notes for this episode, as well as a whole heap of inspiration to help you raise healthy and happy kids. I'll see you next week.